Joe, we're so glad that you're here with us. Joe lives in Jerusalem. He is here visiting with us. He is a dear friend of North Boulevard. I need to get your table. He's going to provide the message today by the power of God. We're grateful that he is here. And I'm going to say a prayer for you, Joe, before you speak. Father, I praise you for this morning. I praise you for our brother, Joseph Shulam, that he is here with us safely. I pray for your blessings upon his family, his ministry, and Father, that you would fill him up and use him, give him words. Thank you so much for this morning. We praise you. I lift up Joe to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Boulevard and all the people who are in the cloud watching us from far. The corona has made it uh, possible. Corona came from China and the Zoom came from China also. So we are in Israel, we do everything on Zoom and we're reaching people all around the world with the Zoom. So what? Oh, yes. Just a second. Okay. Thank you for reminding me. Okay. We came to the States this time because my mother-in-law is uh, past 90 years old. And she's sick. And she doesn't want treatment. And uh, she wanted all the family to be here for Thanksgiving. So we made the, the, took the chance and prayed and came to the States for this. When David Young found out that we're going to be here, he said, I want you to come and preach in North Boulevard on the 29th. He knew he's not going to be here. And he also gave me the topic. I want you to preach about Hanukkah. Well, we're in the Christmas season. Uh, but Hanukkah is in the New Testament, more than once. But let me give you a little bit of historical background about Hanukkah. Alexander the Great, a very young man, managed very quickly to conquer most of the Mediterranean basin, all the countries around the Mediterranean basin, and all the way to Persia. And uh, he died in 333, but before he died, he already named his successors, and he divided his empire to four. Antiochus III, one of his generals, inherited the area of the Middle East. There's Turkey, all the way to Iraq, all the way to the Transjordan, and to the Egyptian border, including the land of Israel. His son, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, is the one that has to do with Hanukkah. What was the big deal about that era that Alexander brought into the world? The big deal was just like globalization in America. The idea was we have the best culture, the best language, the most intelligent people in the world are the Greeks. You've seen it in the big fat Greek wedding, right? Together with Windex. And so 
that, that mentality was supposed to be spread around the whole cultured world of that time. Well, you know, the Jews are a stubborn nation. And they're a nation that is small, but very strong in character. But the Greeks tried to force the Jews to become Greek, to speak Greek, and to worship Greek, and All right, is that okay now? So the, the Greeks tried to force the Jews to become Greek. The problem was that there was no such a glue to fix the Jews to stop being Jewish. And uh, they were stubborn. And the Greeks made edicts forbidding circumcision, forbidding observance of the holidays like Passover and other biblical holidays and forced the Jews to worship the Greek idols. But Antiochus Epiphanes IV made himself God and placed his statues in every village and forced the Jews to worship him. Well, there was, most of the Jews gave in to save their life and worshiped the statue of Antiochus Epiphanes. But there was one family not far from where the airport in Israel today, the civil airport of Lud, Ben-Gurion Airport. Uh, some of you who have visited landed there and took off from there. Not far from there is the city of Modi'in. The city has been rebuilt recently, in the last 25 years. And there was one family there, with the name of the father was Matityahu. Matityahu means God's gift. In English, they anglicize this to Matthew. But Matthew and John and Nathanael and others all have the same meaning, God's gift. So this man, old man, Matityahu, had five sons. And he said, enough is enough. We are not going to worship the statue of Antiochus or the Greek idols. We're going to keep the laws that God gave us, even if we have to die. And these five boys trained themselves in military, you know, guerrilla warfare and attacked the huge Greek army. in different places at the same time. And after several years of battle, and after at least two of the brothers, of the five brothers were killed by the Greeks and many, many other victims, they succeeded to get the Greeks to get on their knees and give up on conquering the Jews. There were international reasons also that, that helped the situation. But the Jews finally, on the 25th day of the month of Kislev, in the year 160 BC, beat the Greeks and drove the Greeks out. Of course, the Greeks had desecrated the temple in Jerusalem. The temple had been out of use for many, many years. The Antiochus 
had driven his horse into the Holy of Holies, desecrated it. The altars were desecrated with pig offered on the altars. And so they had to clean up the temple and re, you know, constitute the worship in the temple. And uh, that's where Hanukkah comes in. In the year 160 BC, in the month of December, according to the Western calendar, they reconstituted the temple, they cleaned it up, they restored the, the, the candelabra, and uh, lit it for the first time in many, many years. So Hanukkah is known also as the Feast of Light. And uh, the big deal is lighting the candles. That is still from the historical background. The eating of the donuts came from Germany. Yeah, the donuts for Hanukkah came from Germany, from the Ashkenazi Jews. And the, 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 the dreidel, the, what do you call it, the spinner in, in, in English, came from Italy. They're good gambling, and it was a gambling tool originally. At four sides, one said yes, one said no, one said half, and the other one said half. There are two halves, and so when you gambled, you either got a yes or no or a half. That it had nothing to do with the Bible, had nothing to do with Hanukkah in reality. But the amazing thing is this. The Pharisees did not celebrate Hanukkah. Why? Because it was a feast of the Hashmonite kingdom. The kingdom that came, Judah the Maccabee, Judah the son of Matthew, of Matityahu, uh, became king of Judea after they drove the Greeks out. And the Hashmonite dynasty ended with Herod the Great taking over, killing the last Hashmonite descendant, Antigonus, and took over. He was not a Jew. Herod was not a Jew. He was Edumean. He converted, supposedly converted to Judaism, but not really. And so, uh, so that's when Hanukkah came into being. The amazing thing is that we read in the Gospel of John in chapter 10, verse 22 on. I'll ask uh, our brother Sean to read it for you from uh, John chapter 10, verse 22 on. From John 10, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness to me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Okay, so this is an interesting text. Jesus and his disciples were all Pharisees. They were not Sadducees. And, of course, that's why he criticized the Pharisees. 
because he was from within criticizing them. Just if I criticize the churches of Christ, I'm a part of it. I'm from within. Yeah? I'm not, you haven't heard me criticize the Buddhist. Why not? I'm not a part of that group. You haven't heard me criticize Islam. I'm not a part of that group. Who am I going to criticize? The people that I love, the people that I want them to become better, to become closer to God. And so Jesus, as a Pharisee, goes into the temple to celebrate the feast of dedication. The word dedication in Hebrew is Hanukkah. Hanukkah in Hebrew is dedication. And he goes to celebrate the feast, and the, the people ask him, tell us if you're the Messiah or not. He says, look, if you see what I've done, you'll know I'm the Messiah. My sheep know me, and I know my sheep. This is the first point in this lesson that I want you to take seriously. We are the flock of Jesus Christ. We belong to him. He is our shepherd, which means that he is the one that, that guides us, protects us, provides for us. That's what a shepherd does. He is our good shepherd. And he calls us his flock, his sheep. In this text, connected with Hanukkah, and he says, these are the sheep that my father gave me. God, the father, gave his son, the Messiah, the flock, and all authority in heavens and in earth. And the new thing that we find out here is not that we are his sheep, and not that nobody can snatch us out of his hand, and not that the father gave us to him, but that we are in my father's hands. Nobody can snatch us from the father's hands. This is a, a, a truth that the apostle Paul repeats in Romans chapter 8. He says, who can take me away from the love of God? Not hunger, and not thirst, and not nakedness, not the cold, and not the hot, and a long list of things that cannot snatch us out of God's love and out of God's hand. This is something that we all need to take inside. We need to eat it in the morning, at lunch, and at dinner. That we are God's children. We're not just Christians. We're God's children. And as God's children, we are under his shepherd, under his protection. And we're going to see this in Isaiah the prophet soon. Not yet. We're going to see it in Isaiah the prophet. This is a very, very important point because we are not talking religion. We're not talking religion. Christianity is not an issue of religion. It has become a religion, but it was never intended to become a religion. It was become a religion the way that uh, one of the women in our congregation, American Jewish gal, uh, her name is Martha. Martha one time said, whatever started as the work of the Holy Spirit in the city of Jerusalem 
moved to Europe and became a religion, moved to America and became a business. You may not laugh at it, but it's not funny. I agree with you. But a lot of it is true. And so we are God's flock and we're under his protection and under his oversight. And the minute that we understand this, our behavior and our lives will look different. If we take it inside, we swallow it and we believe it and we implement it in our lives, our lives will change. We're not going to be like everybody else. And we're going to see that in the end. So, I would have much rather talk about Christmas. But you could blame it on David Young that he asked me to talk about Hanukkah. So John 10 gives us this idea where God's flock, we're in God's hand, and God is going to protect us. In this time of corona, this is welcome news in my opinion. So welcome news. And the question is, how long are we going to be like the people in the first century? What did they ask Yeshua? What did they ask Jesus in John chapter 10? Are you the Christ or not? Tell us. What did he answer them? He answered them, look at what I've done. Look at my works. Now we're 2,000 years this side of the cross. And you can look at the world all continents, and you can see the continued work of Jesus Christ, not only in the churches of Christ, in all of the world, in all Christianity. Christianity has reached the world. Whether you like it or not, people who are not members of the church of Christ are also Christians. Yeah, they believe in the New Testament, they believe in Jesus as their Lord, as their Messiah, they sing some of the same songs that you sing, they worship in a very similar way that you worship, yeah, and they've changed the world. I was invited in 2010, I was invited by the Chinese government, by the vice president to come to China. I went to China, I was picked up. Uh, at the airport with Secret Service, Chinese Secret Service, a limousine, everything went to lunch with the vice president. It was a woman. And so I asked her if she read the Bible. I said, sure, I have. You're a communist. Yes, I'm a communist. But I read the Bible. I said, why did you read the Bible? She said, because that's the first communist book in the world. I said, well, how could you say that? She said, it's from the Bible that we learned that if you don't work, you don't eat. It's true. The Apostle Paul said it. And from the Bible, we have learned that workers have rights. And that the conversation went on, and it surprised me that she read the Bible. And that the Bible had influenced Communism. I didn't know that. 
Yeah? But I found that out. The work of Jesus has spread and has made the whole world a better place to live for every human being and for some animals as well. Because before Christians, uh, the pagans were as cruel to animals as the worst of, of the people today. Christians have become better people and also better to animals and to nature, should be to nature. Depends who's the president. But Jesus, the work of Jesus is not finished. It continues on. Yeah? And Hanukkah is a feast today in the land of Israel that celebrates courage, tenacity, dedication. Yeah? Because here you have five boys of one family that managed to build a war against a world power and have victory over it. That's what Hanukkah is about, about the weak having victory over the strong, the few having victory over the many, the, the, the people who are limited to rise up in the, with the power of God and beat the world power of Greece at that time. That was it. But that's only one text that uh, deals with Hanukkah. We have another text. Um, another, just to make that point, I would like Sean to come and read Isaiah 54, verse 13 to 17. That's in conclusion of this first point. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord." Isaiah the prophet is repeating here what the gist of what Jesus said in the temple in Hanukkah. No weapon, no instrument of war that is formed against you, the people of God, shall prosper. I could elaborate on that, but my time is, is running, and I don't want to run over time unless the Holy Spirit leads me. We'll see. But, uh, but, but this idea that Isaiah the prophet in the 8th century B.C. is talking is still true. It's still true for the nation of Israel, and it should be true for every Christian privately and collectively. It's a principle that if we are faithful with God, God will give us survival in this evil world and give us strength to conquer the evil. It's, it's, it's true. It works. It works until today. You think that it's an accident that out of the four major companies that have developed, are developing a vaccine, that the head of these companies, all four of them, are Jews. 
Three of them are Israelis. One is a Greek Jew. The head of Pfizer is Anthony Burla, born in Saloniki, in Thessalonica. Yeah. The other three are people who are born in Israel, trained in Israel, educated in Israel, and are leading these big companies like Moderna and others in the development of the vaccine. It's not an accident. We're a small nation. But we have the promises of God as a part of our heritage, inheritance, and history. And we're a demonstration that a small nation that has been in exile for 2,000 years is surviving and reviving and coming back to life and doing magnificent things from Tehran to San Francisco. Yes, that's our heritage. Now, the second text that deals with, with Hanukkah is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 35, and even most of the Christian scholars have not related it to its historical background. And I'm going to try to do it today. Sean is going to read it for you. Hebrews 11 from verse 35 to 37. Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. Okay. Most Christians and most preachers and pastors and professors of Bible don't know what this text is talking about. About whom is this text talking about? Why don't they know? Because they're not interested to know. If they were interested, they could find out. Yeah. This text is talking about a woman named Hannah. She lived in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, before 160 BC. And she had seven sons. And she trained her sons to stand on their principles and not to give up to idolatry, give into idolatry. There's only three sins in, sins in the corpus of Jewish laws for which you die and you don't break. One of them is if somebody forces you to bow down and worship an idol, you die and you don't worship the idol. If you're sick, you can eat a pork. From, what, from his nose to what he leaves behind, it's okay if you're sick as medicine. You can break any law except these three. Worshiping an idol, incest, and turning in one of your friends to the enemy. Those are the three sins that you die and you don't break. Every other law you can break in order to survive. But these three sins. So this woman trained her seven sons. You are not going to worship an idol. If you have to die, you die. 
but you're not going to worship an idol. You're not going to betray Jehovah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has brought you out of the land of Egypt and giving you the land of Canaan and has led you and blessed you and protected you all these centuries. You die. So we have several records of what happened to the seven sons. I chose the fourth son. Why did I choose the fourth son? Because it's the shortest record because of time. And I'm going to ask Sean to come and read to you the, what happened to the fourth son. And he is discussing his situation with Antiochus Epiphanes IV himself that came to that town to observe how the Jews worship his statue as God. So go ahead. Do not you too display the same madness as your brothers, but obey the king and save yourself? But he replied, For me you cannot heat the fire so hot as to make a coward of me. By the blessed death of my brothers, by the everlasting ruin of the tyrant, by the glorious life of the pious, I will not deny our noble brotherhood. Contrive whatever tortures you will, tyrant, that you might go on learning from them that I am brother to those who have been tortured already. On hearing this, the bloodthirsty and murderous and altogether abominable Antiochus ordered his tongue to be cut out. But he said, even if you remove the organ of speech, God still hears those who are silent. Look, my tongue is hanging out. Cut it off, for you will not thereby make my reason mute. Gladly, for the sake of God, do we allow the limbs of our body to be mutilated. But you, God, will speedily overtake, since you are cutting out my tongue that sang songs of praise to him. So here is this young man. He saw three of his brothers already executed with great cruelty. You can read it in 2nd Maccabees and in 4th Maccabees. The record is there. And Antiochus Epiphanes tells him, save your life. Worship me. He says, no, there's not a fire hot enough to make me a coward. This young man and his brothers and his mother are exhibiting dedication to their faith, exhibiting the ability to sacrifice for their faith, sacrifice their own lives. And the mother is encouraging them not to give in because she believes in the resurrection from the dead. She believes in the judgment day. She believes in a God who is alive. She believes that it is better to go to heaven without a tongue or without an eye or without a hand than to go to hell with two eyes and two hands and a tongue. Did Jesus teach the same doctrine? Yes, he did. In the Sermon on the Mountain, he said, if your eye offends you, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two eyes. Jesus said the same thing about the hand. If your hand offends you, cut it off. The same doctrine, the same teaching that Hannah has taught her children, Jesus taught us. 
He taught us because he knew for sure that heaven exists, that there is life after death, that even though the worms are going to eat our bodies under the ground, our soul is preserved forever. And it's conscious. And we have stories in the Bible that prove that. And not only in the Bible. The strength that this woman that is mentioned and described in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 35 on is a strength that I envy and I want to have for myself and for my children and my grandchildren and for our congregation in Jerusalem and, and influence around the world. We are not, our faith is not for the weak. It's for the strong. And if you are weak you're, and you have faith, you will be strong. You will be able to take the blows that this world gives you and laugh at them the way this young man is laughing at the face of Antiochus. And I know people who have. And martyrs happen almost every day somewhere around the world. Just two weeks ago in Tehran, in Iran, they hung a Christian for his faith with a crane. You can see it in, on, on newscasts and in newspapers. And it happens often in some countries. There are still martyrs who give their life because of their faith and don't recant and don't fall. Somebody that I knew, an Arab believer from Jerusalem that was installed to be the head, to, to man the Bible store of the Bible Society, of the British Bible Society in Gaza. A man with a wife and two children, young men. And I knew him personally. Radical Muslims. Dragged him out of his shop. Tied him on an electric pole killed him, chopped him to pieces, and paraded his body around the streets of Gaza. Yeah? Only because he was a Christian. Only because he preached the gospel. Only because he sold Bibles and gave away Bibles oftentimes. These things happen. They're not so far from us. And it doesn't mean they're not going to happen closer to you. Maybe not in the same way. But it may, you may be asked to pay an expensive price with your life maybe, with your job maybe, because of being a Christian. Days like that have come to other countries that were free and democratic before. We have to be strong we are, we are called to be strong. We are promised that God will take care of us by the words of our Lord, of Jesus Christ. Hanukkah is a feast that celebrates the strength of the weak, the ability of the few against the many. 
the blessing of being able to sacrifice for the highest cause in this world, God himself. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son so that you and I can be saved. But not for so you and I can be weak. For you and I to be strong. And there are dozens and dozens of examples in history of people who are weak, the true faith in God and dedication to Jesus Christ were strong and became examples for us and the world. Will Durant, the historian, said, the blood of the martyrs conquered the Roman Empire. We are there. We have battles that we need to win. And we can do it with God's help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you and this church and all of its leaders and all of its members and protect you from every harm. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.